Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to season eight, episode 10 of the Pet Photographers Club. I'm really excited to share this interview with you today. It's with Michael Puck, who is one of our members. And we did share the interview early with the members of the club in the mastermind group. Often we record our video interviews live with them. So members get an you know, early preview or they get to ask questions, that kind of thing. Anyway, my point is that people went absolutely crazy for Michael's interview because his whole approach to pet photography is something so unique, something that we really haven't seen before. In a nutshell, he runs his business as a non-profit and his main client base comes from non-pet related other businesses where he sells wall art. Told you, it's completely unique, completely different. And Michael is so, so generous with all his knowledge and insight into how he's running this uh, business model and how you could apply what he's learned along the way to your own businesses, even though you may not be running yours as a nonprofit. So it's a really fascinating one. I'm really excited about it um, and definitely make sure you go ahead and listen to it all. If you're a member, you can watch the video version and also uh, tune into the extended episode because Michael shares even more in that. So if you're not a member yet, you can join us. It's just $10 a month. Uh, just head over to the petphotographersclub.com forward slash join. And before we do dive into this interview, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a reminder that we have our peer image review for the awards season coming up at the end of April. So basically at this online event, you can get feedback from Kirsty, who's one of the previous year's judges. She won't be judging this year because we have to keep images anonymous. So she's going to be giving one-on-one -on -one feedback and you can also get feedback from your fellow peers. So if you're not sure whether or not an image is right to submit to the awards or you don't know which category you should be putting it in, does it need more Photoshop, that kind of thing, here is your opportunity to actually get some feedback on that. So the event is $10 for non-club members or it's free for club members and you can just head over to the petphotographersclub.com forward slash awards to find out more there. So if you're listening to this live or in the next couple of weeks, you still have time to grab a ticket. The event is on the 27th of April, but tickets are selling pretty quickly. So make sure you grab your seat if you're interested in that. All right, let's jump into this awesome, awesome interview with Michael. You are going to love it. You might want to take notes, just a heads up, because it is jam-packed with so much information. Enjoy. Absolutely. And first of all, uh, Caitlin and Christy, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'll be more than happy to explain. It's actually different on two levels. So let me dive into that a little bit. First of all, it's a nonprofit. Um, and I decided for that business model about five years ago because I found this was the right approach to take based on what I wanted to accomplish. And I'm sure we'll get around to speak more closely to that. Uh, secondly, I have over the last two years converted my target customer base 100% to businesses. So at this point in time, I'm, I'm selling dog wallet only to businesses. And here's maybe the most surprising aspect of that. It's to businesses that have absolutely nothing to do with dogs or animals in general. 
I'm so excited to dive into it deeper, um, Michael, for sure. Do you want to backpedal just a minute and um, start a bit at the start and just give a brief history of, um, you know, your your photography career, I suppose. Um, have you been specializing in dogs since forever? Did you merge? Like, uh, tell us a bit about that journey. Yeah, be, be happy to. And I wouldn't even go as far as calling it a career because it's just a five-year stint at this point in time. And it has been part-time the whole time. So um, I had a key experience when I was very young, four years old. I had a horrific um, boiling water accident. And during that accident, I burned both of my legs, ended up in the hospital for a number of weeks and wasn't allowed to be visited because I had basically two open wounds. Um, I came back out of the hospital based on my parents' description as a completely changed child. And I became a loner. I became very withdrawn from what was happening around me. That changed, well, eight years later, when we finally got our first family dog, that changed because the relationship I was able to build with that dog helped me to be reintroduced to the environment around me. And I don't know what my mental health would, would look like today if that would not have happened back then. And so that's really where I drive most of my connection and passion for dogs to because I had this really strong relationship with our first family dog. And ever since I had the strong desire to give back, to help animal shelters, to donate money, to volunteer time. But it always felt like there was more that I could do. And when I realized some five, close to six years ago that I could marry uh, my passion for dogs with photography, which I just picked up around that time, um, that's when this whole business started, but it has been all along about dogs and it has been 100% a nonprofit uh, during the entire time. So you started Canine Photo five years ago, is that, is that right? 2016, yes. Mm -hmm. And were you working as a photographer before then or you launched? No. Amazing. I was, I was lucky. I was lucky holding the camera, not upside down when taking pictures. So <laughs> it was a steep, it was a steep learning curve. I would say I started um, exploring different camera models and probably upgraded six times in a year when mm -hmm. I initially revisited my interest in cameras in 2014. And then it took two years before I officially started the nonprofit. But yeah, I had, I had nothing. I had maybe a year's worth of high school experience at that point in time. And that was film because I was in high school in the late seventies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we wouldn't have uh, known that. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I read that you have done some formal training though in photography. So has that been since in the last few years? Yeah, so it, I think it was along in 2014, the New York Institute of Photography is where I did some coursework. Nothing extensive. I think I did two six months engagements there. That was just part time. Um, it was certainly helpful. I looked online, I participated in online courses. So I was trying to build up my skill level versus trying to do it all by trial and error. But in the end, it wasn't substantial by any means. And, and I go on record officially here to say, I'm not a great photographer. I'm a best and average photographer. And, and I'm saying that because I like for your audience to understand in order to sell to businesses, you don't have to be the best photographer around. You have to have decent work, but I would say an average photography skill is perfectly sufficient to sell to businesses. 
because that's one of the questions I get most frequently. You have to be really good when you sell large wallet collections to businesses. Not really. I think average is a very good description for what my photography looks like right now. You are making but a really good point, Michael. I think a lot of photographers, when they're first starting out, get hung up on comparing themselves to other, um, or not even when they're just first starting out at any point, yeah. uh, can get hung up on comparing themselves to other photographers out there. But it's important to remember that the average client um, really doesn't have the same bias and criticism of photography that we all have. Um, so just yeah. good enough is good enough there's so many other aspects that go into it now when you so when you started five years ago did you set up from the get-go as a non-profit with the aim of working with businesses or did you start with more of the usual working one-on-one with clients approach that most people have yeah, so it wasn't officially a non-profit whereby 100% of the proceeds were still going back to shelters and rescues. It was just um, early last year when I officially put the seal on to be a 501c3, which is a designation in the United States that you tax exempt. And then you can also call yourself a public charity. Before that, I have basically had arrangements with my customers to say, I do the photo session, I do your wall art you give the money to the shelter directly or to the vet's office or wherever the money was needed so that it didn't have to run through me from a taxation perspective. But from the very get-go, it was always 100% of everything that comes in. I never paid myself. I never um, bought equipment with the money that I was generating. That was all me paying for it out of my own pocket because I wanted to make sure that I can maximize the impact financially uh, on what the animals were receiving in the process. So let's get a bit of an overview of um, what happened. So start us from the minute either the phone calls or, I mean, sorry, the phone rings or you make the phone ring. Um, and it's, uh, I'm assuming one of these businesses, but maybe you can start from there. Yeah, let me give you a very specific example because for me last year was proof of concept that I can sell exclusively to businesses. So what I ended up doing in March and April of last year, so that was just, if you remember back, the beginning of the pandemic, um, I looked at who do I know in town? I've been here for 20 years at this point in time. Who do I know and who can I call? Because I wanted to initially just run an idea by them and get their feedback. So I basically put a little three minute video together to say, this is what I'm thinking. Here's why I believe that dog wall art is super powerful in business environments. And I was just seeking input and I reached out to warm contacts, even so I might not have spoken to them for five or 10 years. With some folks, I might've been in a Rotary Club before, others I knew from work, but they had moved on, but still lived in town. So I had 25 names, uh, actually I had 50 names on my list. I ended up making 25 phone calls. And out of that, I was asking at the end of this brief, give me some feedback here, conversation. Do you know somebody who could be interested in dog wall art? And each person gave me one or two references. I reached out to the references. I basically said, hey, I just talked to such and such. I understand you know that individual. He thought you would be interested to hear what I wanted to um, talk to you about briefly. And um, 25 phone calls, including those. And that generated 
several customers that grossed $40,000 in wall art just for the businesses. And keep in mind, this is me working Saturday, Sunday. Um, during the week, I have a full-time job that I need to pay attention to. So you can say, if I would have had my entire week to dedicate towards that, if I would have spent more time making phone calls, um, it certainly could have been a significantly larger number, but that wasn't really the point because I wanted to see if I can create the proof of concept that I can sell dog wall art to businesses completely unrelated to animals. Um, but you, your, your question was bigger. So let me, once, <laughs> that, initial, once that initial conversation has occurred, um, <clears throat> I normally had either a follow-on conversation or an in-person meeting to say, let me explain to you why I believe that dog wall art is super powerful for businesses. And let me clarify, not every business is a great target for that. It should be businesses that focus heavily on one-on-one -on -one client or customer relationships. Because I'm sure both of you have a, a very intimate understanding of how positive of an impact dogs can have on people based on your own experience. And I think this is very relevant in the business environment. Um, my day job is working in a function that's called human insights. So if you wanna be technical, you can call me a people scientist. And as a people scientist, I look into understanding people, see what makes them tick, and then use that information to help businesses solve some of their biggest issues. Now, that background is super helpful to initially connect the dots between the business and dog photography, but it's absolutely not needed in order to present it to a business. I just connected the dots. I think that's kind of the benefit that I had because I see both sides of the coin, but then it goes back to if businesses have issues that they're dealing with, and dog wallet can address some of these issues very effectively, then I think there's a business case to make. And if I can present this in the right light to business owners, it should be a natural fit where they say, yeah, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. Let me, there's more to it. I'll, I'll pause and see if you have any follow-on questions and I'll dive in a little deeper. <laughs> So many already, and I do want um, you to dive into um, sort of if you're happy to um, kind of what this pitch was when you were calling um, the businesses. But before that, I just wanted to know that you were saying you're doing this only on weekends, which is incredibly impressive, um, especially because I feel like, and I'm sure the audience, part of our audience would at least as well, that there's a bit of a limit to that. Like I, maybe I'm putting that self block in, you know, like, oh, well, I can't contact a business on a Saturday or a Sunday because they're a business and I've got to call them Monday to Friday, nine to five. But you obviously found a way around that. So were you emailing Monday to Friday and said, were you calling on lunch breaks or were you really calling a lawyer or a doctor's office or whoever you're calling on a, a Saturday afternoon? Well, keep in mind, I was reaching out to individuals I knew or, or had a relationship mm -hmm. with Zarkon in time. So calling them over the weekend wasn't a big deal. Um, okay. And so the initial conversation did occur over the weekend. Some might have occurred after hours, but I wasn't tied to the business hours simply because I knew the individuals. Um, I might have sent uh, emails to a few of them to say, hey, do you have any time? Is this email still good? Can I reach you here? Um, I've used LinkedIn for a few just to track 
people down to say, hey, where are you right now? Can we talk? I have something really interesting and I'd like to get your feedback on. So that was really it. That was the gist of it. Some didn't respond. Some said, yeah, absolutely. When do you have time? Let's get together. So it's not that there everyone was just immediately jumping on board and say, oh yeah, that sounds so cool. There were some that says, what businesses and what? <laughs> and and um, I wasn't necessarily pushing or pressuring them to understand or agree with what I had in mind. I was basically just waiting for their response. And then I put them in a bucket of, yeah, that might be a person I can talk to again, or maybe share something in more detail to get good feedback. And others, I said, was great catching up with you. Um, doesn't look like that. Um, Doc Wallard is anything that you would be interested in spending more time about. And then they said, yeah, not really, I'm not into that. And, and that's perfectly good because you wanna sort out initially who you can talk to and who you cannot talk to. In the end, it was five contacts that gave me all the business that kept me busy throughout the entire 2020. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to 25, I got five good contacts out of that. I caught up with several of my former colleagues and friends, which was nice, without that leading to anything. But they put me in touch, either they had a need themselves, which there were a couple of them, or they knew somebody that they thought might be interested. And mm -hmm. it was as simple as that. No sales, salesy approach to it at, at all. Simply just having a conversation, sharing an idea, and genuinely asking them for feedback. What do you think about that? Is that something that you know, you think makes sense? How does it resonate with you? And, and so it was a very low pressure discussion that I enjoyed. And I think most of them enjoyed it as well. I love that. I think we're often too scared to ask for feedback when it's an idea that we're attached to. Um, and it can be so valuable as you've, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've made changes according to the feedback you've feedback you received and you you yeah. got more numbers of people to call because of asking that question right mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely mm -hmm. i i played it by ear well i had a script and the script was kind of was was kind of written out and defined well but i was playing it by ear as as it fit or didn't fit for example when i was reaching out to the person they had referred me to i initially made the reference to the point of contact the mutual point of contact and then I said fairly early on, probably within the first 30 seconds, um, you know, this might sound a little awkward. So I positioned it like that. But uh, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about dogs? And this came completely out of the blue. So they didn't know <laughs> what the topic was all about. And, and then I finished that sentence by saying, I, I know this sounds really awkward coming from a guy with a thick German accent and receding hairline, even so they couldn't see me. And, and it completely neutralized um, the, the, any tension that was potentially there. And so we had a great, we had a great conversation. So many of them were laughing. Most of them said, I absolutely love dogs. And so then I inquired about, tell me about your dogs, I'm curious. And so we started from there. And then I introduced a little later to say, by the way, what I'm doing is I'm putting uh, dog wallet in business environments because my research has found that it can have a tremendously positive impact on patients, on clients, on customers. And then I immediately ask, so does that sound like something that resonates with you or are you more a cat or turtle gal or guy? <laughs> Again, trying to, to keep it on, on, the, on the humorous side. 
And I had really, really good conversations and, and people were excited about the idea of putting dog wallet in a bank, for example. Um, the guy that I taught at the bank, at the biggest bank we have in town, he says, oh, I need to present this to my manager. And so I sent him the video that I prepared and uh, he carried the message forward. Turns out for them, it wasn't good timing, but I have a new business contact with him that I touch base with uh, every so frequently. And eventually they might come around and say, hey, we're redecorating. Tell me again about this dog wall art. Mm -hmm. Others, others like I had a, a car dealership that I reached out to and um, I had identified that as a potential point of contact because they always had dogs in the advertisement on TV. And I said, they probably know about the power of dogs. Uh, as it turns out, they had no clue, but they had a dog in all of the advertisement. And um, I reached out to the owner, I asked him, meaning not introduced, just, just cold basically by email, said, hey, I have an idea when it comes to your dog and dog wall art and how it can benefit your business. Do you mind if we connect for 10, 15 minutes by phone or in person? And he says, hey, that sounds intriguing. Let's connect. And so we met and that 15 minute meeting that I asked for turned into an hour. He gave me a full tour through his new dealership and he pointed at all the blank walls he had and says, I need to do something with these walls, but I really don't know what to. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, it's like oh wow <laughs> and yeah now he has a 18 piece wallet collection hanging in his dealership and i talked to him yesterday again um, and he says it is amazing customers come in they take selfies in front of the the dog wall art because they're so excited about it um, most of the, not to stereotype, but most of the females that come in our, our dealership with their husband, the husband is normally the one buying the car and the female feels really lost. We noticed that they have now something to focus on and to have conversations about because dogs are something that many people can relate to very effectively. And it makes it more enjoyable for the females uh, or for the non, let's say it uh, gender neutral, for the non tech or car person to have something that they can look at, speak about, and have conversations about while their better health half is buying a car. So yeah, I think they're super excited. And now they actually taking it a step further and ask me, can we share this with our customers and, and in particular business customers? We would love for them to, to benefit from that as well. And they said, yeah, no, we really don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't give me any more time. So um, whose dogs are in this waller? Do the dogs belong to, say, the people who great, work at the dealership? Yeah, great question. Great question. Because uh, while the dealership, just to take that as an example, they had one dog, um, but they didn't want to have that dog 18 times hanging on the walls. So um, I was proposing to him, well, let's, let's do the following. Let's see if I can find um, people that own vintage cars of your brand, Ford in this particular case, that also have dogs. And so I put a model call out on Facebook and ask in, in the local community, hey, does anyone know um, of somebody who owns a vintage Ford anywhere from 1930 to at least 20 years old at this point in time that also has a super cute dog? And you wouldn't believe how my inbox or, or my Facebook page was blowing up with people sharing their cars and sharing their dogs. And so I basically did, I think six or seven photo sessions from 
people that the dealership didn't know that had both the dogs and the cars. And I created a gallery that had about 50 curated images for the owner to look through. And out of that, he selected 18 you wanted to hang into the dealership. And I sold, um, I sold several of um, the wallet that I created also to the individuals that um, you know, offered their dogs to participate in the shoot. So that was the added benefit as well. That's amazing. So you're open to, if the business needs it, doing quite commissioned conceptual um, images that match their specific business rather than it just being an image library that you're... Yeah, Caitlin, I had a single, I had a single image with, the, with an old Ford and a dog when I pitched that to him. Mm-hmm. So I had nothing to draw from. I had nothing to show him he just took it at face value that I would be able to create those images. <laughs> so I didn't know if there were people that would be willing to participate, nor that they had cars and dogs. Um, but yeah, I took six photo sessions. I had all the images that I needed. And now out of the 18, we have each combination of dog and car about twice, some, I think we have three times in there with a good variety of, of perspectives, backgrounds and all that good stuff. And so, yeah, you, beautiful. Are you always shoot? So, are you always shooting specifically for the business, or are you ever just like reusing images that you already? That, that's a, that's a great question, and and if you don't mind, let me take a little bit of a bigger loop to answer that. Not mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. loops before have been small, <laughs> <laughs> but for this year. So last year was the proof of concept to sell a dog wallet to businesses most of which I created uh, for them, like for the dealership where I did a financial planning office and I ended up taking pictures of their employees' dogs. And, and that organization was super excited about that because their employees got really into it. Um, they have now, I hung it up yesterday, so this is completely fresh, 14, 14 pieces of wallet. The smallest is 24 by 36. Uh, and they have 14 of those in their offices, conference rooms, in the lobby, in the ops room, showing their own dogs. And, and again, I did eight one-on-one photo sessions with the employees. I sold the business, the set of 14 images. So that was one business transaction. And then I sold, I think out of the eight, I sold five individuals uh, privately as well. So it was combined 27 pieces of wallet out of a single point of contact generated by making one phone call. And, and this is well into the five digits from an overall revenue perspective. So, but you were asking uh, the other piece I wanted to mention here. So that was proof of concept for last year. For this year, I'm working on something that can actually geographically expand the reach of this to put a global dog art gallery together and that gallery was basically intended to serve as, as what the name suggests, a gallery that businesses can go into in order to select what they would like to have in their business environment without having to shoot specifically for that business. Because otherwise I'm always the, the bottleneck in the process mm-hmm. and, and my capacity is limiting how much business I can generate. Now, the really exciting part of that 
I will open that up to the best and rising stars in dog photography, invite individuals to participate in that, to contribute maybe one, two, three of their best images, because the proceeds out of that will also be used for the focus of the nonprofit. And there will be a royalty fee for the photographers as well. That is a fantastic concept. Um, let's put a pin in that. We'll come back to that yeah, because I right. want to chat more about the nonprofit thing as well. I feel like we need like three different interviews with you. Um, so talk us through, mm. I don't think I have ever heard, I don't know about you, Kirsty, ever heard of a pet photographer set up as a nonprofit. Talk us through um, the thought process behind that and how that works, why you've chosen to go that way. Um, yeah. It's really unusual, but very cool. So I think I, I might want to start out by saying I love my day job, the one that's generating money for me. Um, working as a people scientist, my background is in human resources. I've spent 25 years in and supporting human resources. Before that, I was an officer in the German Air Force. So I didn't need in another source of income. And I really wanted to go back to my childhood experience, the bond that I had made with dogs and, and contribute to the highest possible degree. That's the reason why I buy my own equipment, I buy everything other than cost of goods sold. That's something that's coming out of the profit because that otherwise could get rather expensive if I pay for that myself as well. <laughs> but since I have a job that I love, I didn't want this to be a competing interest that said, I plan to retire in a couple of years. And at that point in time, I will pursue this full time. And then I will structure it slightly different. I will still leave it as a nonprofit, but probably also add a for-profit arm to it just to supplement my retirement. So I think it's just for me, the best way to make the biggest impact on animals by having 100% of the proceeds go towards helping shelter and rescue dogs. And maybe that's a good point to share the vision statement for the nonprofit. So Canine Photo is the name of, of the nonprofit and the vision is to artistically capture um, the unique personalities of 1 million dogs by 2030. So I set myself a 10 year horizon and to showcase the benefits of the human canine bond, because I believe this is something that can make a significant difference for the way we look at animals in general and, and dogs in particular, because I wanted to make sure that I drive a large impact on dogs, not just what I can do individually. And if you think about it, a million dogs, capturing the unique personalities of a million dogs, if I would do nothing else than taking uh, pictures of a dog every day from now on, it would take me 2,700 years to accomplish that goal. You know, while I expect to live long, I don't think I'll get there. And, <laughs> and so that's the reason why I set this goal really with um, collaborating with others in mind. This could be a movement, meaning if dog photographers probably have become dog photographers because they love animals, they love dogs. And I think if a thousand photographers join and, and work on this together, then it would take 2.7 years in order to capture a million dogs. And I think that is what I'm after, building a foundation that helps animals to be seen in a different light 
Um, where I'm in the United States, it's considered the south of the United States, Tennessee, Florida, further down, Louisiana. Um, dogs are still being treated by many as property. And I'm sure you've seen it where you are. I'm sure Italy is, is not all that easy to handle from how, how dogs are being treated there either. Yeah, I can definitely see this uh, initiative having a very important place in many places of the world, um, Michael, that's, that's for sure. Well, business is all about making money. And if businesses can see the benefit of dog wallet in their environments, um, I think there is the opportunity to shift the general perception of how animals are being looked at. And dogs, since they're closest to us, I think are a great focal point initially, and I like to expand it. And, and on my bucket list is to get rid of puppy mills, to get rid of dog fighting, which is rampant in the area where I am, and, and just getting rid of these things because they become completely socially unacceptable. And so I'm looking at the bigger picture, I fully get it. This is not something I can do as an individual, but I do believe that businesses where the money sits for the most part, if they see the benefits that dogs can provide and, and we raise the level of awareness that this is something that can make a substantial difference. Um, I love all of that. Is it a significant part of the quote unquote pitch to the businesses and will it be going forward that not only is it beneficial for their clients and their employees in terms of you know health and the feel-good factor um, of, of seeing dogs around them but mm -hmm. also that the actual process of of working with you is supporting charities is it, does that make a big part of the pitch it doesn't because I don't lead with that. I tell them mm -hmm. at the very end, once we have agreed to work together, I, I normally say, oh, by the way, I'm a nonprofit um, and businesses love that, but it yes. has not influenced the decision-making upfront. They are interested because they see the benefits and it's easy. Let me, let me give you a little bit more detail on that. Organizations, businesses that are very receptive are those that rely on strong one-on-one -on -one relationships. So lawyers, financial advisors, insurance agents, doctors, car dealerships, consultants, graphic designers, hospitals, retirement homes, wherever this one-on-one -on -one relationship is key for their success, this is where dog wallet is well positioned. If you then can find a point of contact that is a dog lover, him or herself, it becomes a super easy conversation. And while most companies don't have a budget line that reads dog wall art, <laughs> it's just a matter of starting out maybe with one room and, and having something that just gets them an opportunity to try it out. The financial office where I just put 14 images yesterday, when they initially heard about it, they were really excited, but they were skeptical. So they didn't go out and says, yeah, I want you to give us 14 pieces of wall art and I, and I'll pay you $20,000 for it. They said, yeah, take a picture. We have one guy here who is, who is our operations director. He's a really cute puppy, take his pictures. So I went out, I met with him. I researched a nice location and they came back. I came back with the pictures sharing with them and they were just blown out of the water. They said, yeah, we need more of those. Let's do seven more of these. <laughs> 
So it's sometimes you just have to prove it. And um, again, I'm really curious to see for them in particular, because they're, they're managing money. Trust is one of the most important aspects for them in their business relationship. Um, I already got an email late yesterday suggesting that they have received a ton of positive feedback based on the wall art. But I want to go back in, in a week, two weeks and say, hey, tell me what you hear. Give me the specific statements that your clients are making because this is gold and this can be leveraged across the board for so many different businesses. Mm -hmm. I love, um, Michael, that you've already like um, broken down every all, all the barriers that I can hear people saying, other photographers saying, oh, but... I don't have time because I already work Monday to Friday and then I run this business on the side. So I don't have time for that. What you just said, like, you know, I do this on a weekend, you know? Um, so definitely somebody could put, you know, half a day, once a month even, or, or once a week or whatever they could into doing some, you know, being part of this with you or doing something similar. My other thought was like, oh, what if I, you know, if it was me, for example, would I be able to do it 100% voluntarily? um as you are and then you've just said doesn't matter because you could still do a similar concept uh, yeah. not not fun I mean sorry for profit uh because that's not the reason that the businesses are going for it in the first place although it's a fantastic part of it um and yeah every, every kind of barrier I can hear people saying you're like oh that's not a thing like come on just join me with this <laughs> Let me tell you another one that might actually blow your mind. Doing a side-by-side -side comparison, attracting private dog owners as, as clients, which you know I've done in the past, the two of you are doing, is actually harder than attracting business customers. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, meaning I'm not just making the statement and, and ask that you believe me. Business customers have pain points and the pain points drive how, effectively, how effective they are in business. So one pain point, for example, is employee engagement. They need to have their employees engaged in order to provide great service, produce um, good products, all that good stuff. The other, the other pain point is how quickly and how deeply can I develop relationships with prospects? For the financial planner, for example, if they have an initial discovery meeting with a prospect, it depends on the financial planner's ability to connect with that person outside the scope of the work that they're talking about to build a personal relationship for that person to say, I like them, I'll go back, I'll make them my financial planner. So those are, those are fundamental business needs. There is no fundamental business need for a business owner, for, for a pet owner to have pictures of their pets hanging on their wall. It is in the end, meaning we're trying to describe it as you capture the essence of your dog beyond the dog's presence. So we're, we're kind of allude to the fact that the dog might not be around for as long as the individual. And everyone understands that to be a universal truth, but it's still a nice to have versus something that they absolutely have to have. Businesses have to have strong relationships with customers. Businesses need to have trusting relationships. Businesses need to have engaged employees because if they don't, the business results suffer and mm -hmm. in some cases can suffer greatly. So I actually sat down a couple of days ago, I did a pro and con list, a side-by-side -side comparison, and it is significantly easier because of that to attract business customers 
than to sell dog photography to dog owners. Now, some dog owners couldn't care less and they buy everything you offer. But in, on average, if you think about it, I had, including the financial plan office, for example, I had eight individuals that were dog owners plus a business. So I had nine customers and I was dealing with nine customers that generated seven, 27 pieces of wall art out of a single point of contact. And I didn't have to invest a lot of time into marketing, into all that stuff that we normally do in order to, to keep my pipeline full with work. I actually had to slow down last year because I couldn't handle all the inquiries that I had. And I love that because even so marketing can be fun at times. I'd rather take pictures of dogs if I can choose. <laughs> and, and I think with businesses, that's really the way that works. You have one point of contact and they might buy 15, $20,000 worth of images and they might keep you occupied for a couple of months, especially if you do it like me on a part-time capacity. Well, I guess the thing to remember is that business, well, with this point that you're making is that businesses will see a return on this financial investment. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, so it's much easier, generally speaking, for a business yeah. to swallow such a large expense because it's not a luxury, like we have to really push it to private clients. On that note, um, how do you go pricing this kind of thing the same as you would as if they were private clients then? No, com completely different. Completely okay. Different. Do you um, have to talk about Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'm an open book because I like for as many photographers, dog photographers as possible to pursue this. Uh, and I'll tell you quickly on that note, I've put together an e-course where I pour every, every learning into it and, and I make it available for free because I want others to really have no barriers in, in making this work, making this happen. Because for me, again, I'm coming from a nonprofit perspective. For me, it's the benefit of the dog, the shelter dogs, the rescue dogs, the way we look at dogs. That is what I want to influence. It's not about making money. And I'll share openly everything that I've learned. And that's the reason why I put that e-course together because I'm part of a coaching group. And once they learned what I was doing, they were asking a lot of questions <laughs> and I had to repeatedly ask, uh, answer the same questions. And I figured, let's put something together to make this a little bit more efficient to communicate that. So the swipe file, for example, that I used to, to reach out to business customers is in there. Um, the research that I did, I hired a researcher in Australia of all places. Uh, in order to give me some insights into what have we so far documented how dogs impact us in a positive way. And so I uh, funded that actually out of my own pocket. That's in there. Then there's the, I think I mentioned the three minute video that I use in order to empower somebody else to carry the message forward internally. That's in there as well. So I put really all the gems in there to say, take a look at this. There's really no reason why you couldn't do that. And um, yeah, I'm all about empowering others to tap into this huge, huge market of businesses needing dog wall art. And that's yeah. also the reason why I put that global dog art wall, uh, uh, gallery together because some might feel, yeah, my work isn't good enough. I can't really do this. But if you have 500 of the best images that you can get, um, it's easy to sell that stuff. And if you still get a commission on it, it's a foot in the door, right? And everyone yeah. has connections to businesses. 
just a matter of making a few phone calls and exploring if they are, if it resonates with them. And that's a perfect spot for us to wrap up the first half of this episode. It's a long one. Usually we do these uh, halves in about 20 minutes, but we've been chatting for about 45 minutes as I am sure you understand why we just did not want to stop this conversation with Michael. Isn't he just a wealth of knowledge? We will have a link to everything that he's mentioned, including that free e-course that he was just chatting about in the show notes. So if you go over to the petphotographersclub.com forward slash podcast forward slash 0810 for season eight, episode 10, then you will find a link to where you can access that e-course there. We've had a little peek into it already and it's brilliant. I hope you really enjoyed and got a lot out of this interview. If you want to continue listening to the extended episode, we go more into the numbers and pricing that Michael uses when he is selling wall art to these businesses. So if you remember, you can keep on listening or watching the video version of this episode over in the member zone. And if you're not a member yet, as always, you can join us. It's just $10 a month and it goes a long, long way to helping Kirstie and I produce these. Oh, sorry if you can hear my cat meowing in the background uh, to helping us produce these free podcasts. So thank you again. I hope you're having a good week and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Pet Photographers Club. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head to thepetphotographersclub.com.